to Friday Night Fright Fest. Welcome to Friday Night Fright Fest, the podcast dedicated to the horror double feature. We are your hosts, Elizabeth and Andrew. And today we are all things Stephen King. Yeah, and very specifically, uh, today we're going to be talking about It, which came out in 2017, so not the original, and then It Chapter 2 that came out shortly thereafter. Yes, so we could have compared the original It with Tim Curry to yeah. the It remake, but that would have been a triple feature, and well, that's not our thing. Yeah, well, and that would have been many, many hours, because these are actually <laughs> really long films. Yes, uh, The they first are. one, I think, is like... Two hours and 17, and the second one is like two hours and 49 minutes. Yes. So I have not read it. Okay. I have. It's one of my favorite Stephen King novels, though I have not read it in a couple of decades. Okay. What did you think about these films? So you had seen the first one previously, but you had not yet seen the second one. Correct. And I had also seen the original Tim Curry, which I had always been disappointed by because I didn't find him particularly scary. And I thought that some of the special effects in that one, like the the Pennywise, the clown Mm -hmm. in that original um, were just a little cheesy. They just for whatever reason, that one never floated my boat. Mm -hmm. But I actually really like both of these films. Okay, I was I have not watched the first one with Tim Curry, though. I you know, the thing is with Tim Curry, I will always think of him as Frankenfurter. So I really and from and the the dude from Clue. Clue, yeah. So I really think of him more as a comedic actor, even though I know that he's he's a classically trained actor. Yeah, sure. I think of him, I associate him with those roles. And so I think I would have had a hard time seeing him as Pennywise. Well, it's funny because in both of the roles that you named, his facial features and like mannerisms, he's pretty creepy oh, as yeah. both of those characters. Absolutely, absolutely. He has the potential to be very creepy and like there's no reason why he shouldn't be a good Pennywise, but here we are. Yeah. Anyway, so you liked these two films. I, I did. What did you think of them? I thought they were good. Not being familiar with the original... The source material. Source material, exactly. I thought that the films were good. I know that there were some complaints that they had separated out the children's story from the later the you know, adults, 27-year yeah. story. Though I did find that in the, the second film, I thought they did a good job of bringing in the scenes from childhood that were scenes that yes. we did not see in the first film. Right. Either because... Because they couldn't fit them into the two hour and some odd uh, minute film or because they really did want to do that kind of back and forth because they are playing with memory um, a bit in the second film. So, yeah, I enjoyed them. I thought it was adequately creepy and scary, but it had a really interesting cosmology Mm -hmm. and I liked it. And I think that Bill Skarsgård is, you might know him from the Skarsgård family, number one, but also from, not Wayward Pines, the other Hemlock Grove. Thank you. Yeah. He was in some ways unrecognizable as Pennywise, Mm -hmm. but also just great. Like just really good. I agree. I think in a lot of ways, these two films hinge on his ability to be genuinely scary and inhuman as, and, as Pennywise. And the special effects that make those things possible. Yes. Yes. So we can talk about that a little bit in the spoiler section because he does kind of transform yes. in, in a number of ways. And that's especially true at the climax of the second film mm-hmm. where you see something closer to kind of his true form, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. though not exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I, I mean, I thought they were both pretty, really, really good films, but yeah. they are super long. 
Did you feel that length? You know, uh, in the first one, I didn't. The second one is almost three hours long. Yeah. And I did feel in a couple places that it just dragged a little bit. I agree. I, I think both of these could have been tightened up. The first one, you know, honestly, I think that about most movies. Most yeah. movies, if you cut out like the right 20 minutes, mm-hmm. I think almost any movie would be stronger. Yeah. I think that's definitely true for the second one. The first one probably didn't need that much trimming. No. But this is a big story that they're trying to tell. Agreed. I mean, it's a it's a, it's a a hefty novel. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, spoilers. Okay, so it came out in 2017. The director was Andy Muschietti. He also directed the the follow-up It Chapter 2. He was not the original intended director. I think oh, he was really? about the third planned director. Oh, really? He hadn't done very much before this one. He had done a short that caught Guillermo del Toro's attention. He is doing the Flash movie for DC. We'll see if that one ever comes out. <laughs> At the time of this recording, that one is kind of stuck because of the uh, scandals from the lead actor. And then he's also slated to remake The Howling, which we have talked about on this podcast. Yeah. So I'll be curious to see what, what he does with it. He clearly does have strong horror chops. Yeah. So this one is rated 7.3 out of 10 on IMDb. Oh, so wow. I don't, th- that's I don't high. know that we've ever watched a film that was rated so highly. Pro- probably not. I mean, IMDb <laughs> is tough to get above a, a six yeah. or, or six and a half. And on Rotten Tomatoes, critics gave it 86% and audiences 84%. Wow. It had a $40 million budget, which I would have guessed was actually much higher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that they did a lot for $40 million. Uh, yes, I think it, it helps that, you know, the, the kid actors were not expensive. Yeah, the kid actors were not expensive. And it was very story-driven with the kids. I mean, there was some CGI in the first film. There was uh, some, I would say, physical effects as well. But it was not as over-the-top as in the second film. Oh, yeah, I I agree. I mean, I think most of that budget went to CGI and Bill Skarsgård. But it worked really well. And it made $702 million at the box office. Holy moly. So, unadjusted for inflation... And as we know, with inflation rates today, you really do have to adjust for inflation. But if you don't adjust for inflation, this is literally the highest grossing horror film of all time. Oh, really? This first one. You know, I think a lot of people really like Stephen King. Yeah. A lot of people were itching for a feature length, non-Tim Curry, like a remade yeah. it. Yeah. And I think I'm not always a big fan of remakes of films, but right. I think there was a place for this one to be remade. Oh, I agree. So the issue with Stephen King is that he is willing to sell the film rights for all of his books. You just have to come up with the right number. And if you come up with the right number, he will sell you the rights and usually want a cameo in in the film. (laughs) But what that means, at least in my estimation, is that there have been a lot of really bad Stephen King adaptations. I mean, marginal, yes. And a lot of like either straight to video or TV movies or whatever. Not that TV movies are necessarily always bad. Sure. Or ones that just are kind of disappointing. This one, I think word of mouth immediately began that this one was not disappointing and uh, fans really responded well to it. And I think that it helps that Bill Garsgard had been doing some horror and was known for that. Yeah, yeah. And and you could see from the trailers for this one that it was going to be genuinely creepy yep. and that Pennywise really is pretty scary. Yep. So this one is set in the small town of Derry, Maine, where King has set a number of his books and stories. And essentially, it's 
set in the late 80s and there's a bunch of kids who live in town and they are the social outcasts for various reasons. We, we can kind of get into that. It had a very like Goonies type feel yeah. to it. Yeah. It, th- this is definitely a kids on bikes movie. Yeah. And Derry is a place where there have been a disturbingly large number of disappearances. Yes. And mostly the bodies are not found, but everyone assumes that these people are being killed. Mm-hmm. And then in Derry's past, every few decades, or in fact, every 27 years, there's some great tragedy mm-hmm. that ensues, like something blows up or there's a big fire. And in any case, a bunch of people are killed. Mm-hmm. And in this cycle, it is mostly child disappearances. Yes. And so we're thrust into this setting where, you know, we, we've got six or eight of these kids who, you know, one of them, Bill, his little brother, Georgie, mm-hmm. went out in the rain with a little boat and then just never came home. Yes. And obviously Bill kind of blames himself, but there are other f- kids that are of, of friends of theirs who keep going missing. So there's just this kind of epidemic of of missing children which you know it's interesting because in the 80s we did actually have an epidemic of missing children this is or at least we had the perception the perception of it sure i mean this is when we started getting kids on the back of of milk cartons whether that was successful in getting any of those kids back yeah i think the the jury's still out on that but they have this going on but then the rest of the like loser club we have kids that have problems at home Oh, yeah. And and pretty dark ones. Yeah. So like there's one girl in the group, Beverly, and she is very clearly being sexually abused by her dad. Yes. And that's very disturbing to watch. I mean, it's it's hinted at. I mean, yeah. thankfully, we, we don't see, see that, but it's pretty clear what's going on. There's Ben, who is the new kid, but he's also fat. Yeah. And so and he gets teased bullied. by some of the the older, you know, the older kids, the bully kids at yeah. school. We've got Eddie. Yeah. Who, you know, his mom, well, we find, figure out that he, she has Munchausen by proxy and is giving him like placebo pills to keep him sick and give him like anxiety about everything out in the world. Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, she's made him into a germaphobe mm-hmm. and he's kind of scared of his own shadow. Yeah. We've got Richie, who is this loudmouth kid. He can't stop talking. He's pretty obnoxious. Mm-hmm. And he even kind of turns that on his friend. I've had friends like Richie. They're. <laughs> Super obnoxious yeah. to hang out with. I mean, we don't find out until the second movie that there is something else going on with Richie. Yeah. <laughs> We've got Stan, who is kind of the maybe one of the only Jewish kids in town. Mm-hmm. And so he's kind of an outcast for that. But he's also, his dad is the rabbi. So he's like struggling with the not being good enough yeah. for his family because he's having his, his bar mitzvah. Right. And then lastly, we've got Mike, who is black. He's homeschooled and his parents died in a fire. And mm-hmm. so he lives on his grandfather's farm. Kind of on the town. outskirts of yeah. town. Yeah. 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 And, and, and we don't see very many people of, of African-American <laughs> persuasion no, no. in Derry. No. And, and he's definitely kind of more rural than the mm-hmm. rest because the rest are kind of townies. But like he is literally required to use a bolt gun to kill sheep. Yep. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's, that's hardcore. Yeah. So yeah, so I mean, they're the quote unquote losers in town. They get bullied. They are bonded in a lot of ways, both through their being kind of outcasts, but also through their experiences. And it's summertime and they start to kind of go to the quarry and start to look for Georgie. Right. It becomes a bit of an obsession for Bill because he feels responsible for his his brother. But what they start all to have are visions. Like kind of waking yeah. dreams. Right. Which I think is amusing because on the marquee of the local movie theater is Nightmare on Elm Street Part 5. They're having these essentially like waking dreams in which Pennywise is playing a similar role to Freddy Krueger. Yeah, very much so. I mean, so Pennywise, we see him as this monstrous cannibalistic clown figure mm-hmm. that can mutate and twist his body it rapidly becomes apparent he thrives on fear he feeds on fear but he also literally feeds Mm -hmm. on human flesh Mm -hmm. pennywise you know he appears as this oddball clown but we we know that he's not just a clown Mm -hmm. i mean he's not he's not a guy with a painted face living in the sewer yeah but Derry does have this very elaborate sewer system Mm -hmm. which ultimately dumps into the barrens Mm -hmm. kind of on the outskirts of town so that gives them a starting point and then there's this old really really run down derelict haunted house Mm -hmm. on Niebold street where it's rumored to be like hobos and and druggies live there Mm -hmm. but it's got a bad reputation but they know that too is kind of this this locus. Yeah, there's a nexus point of the sewers line where it goes to the like the old well. And yeah. we know that there's also something terrible that happened at the old well in one of the like iterations of this like curse. Right. And so this is where they eventually all descend to. The feeding on fear thing, that's also a Freddy Krueger thing. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like that sure. tie-in is interesting. And they, they each see things that they are afraid of. And so Eddie, he sees a, a leper mm-hmm. that's like coming after gonna, him gonna like puke on him puke and touch him, him. And yeah. yeah yeah so you know things like that eventually they do go down into this the sewer systems even mm-hmm. eddie does it even though he's terrified of the gray water and they they get down and they find essentially like a tower of children's toys and ephemera yeah and these children kind of floating right Or at least they have the vision of these children. Yeah, they have the vision of these children. It's not really clear how much of that is physical, and or or whether they are alive and floating or whatever. But we do eventually see Bev floating as well. What she sees are these kind of three spheres. They call them the deadlights. Yeah, which seem to kind of send her into a trance-like state, and she starts kind of floating. And eventually, Bill sees Georgie or what he thinks is Georgie, and he ends up having to kill Georgie, who. Because his he, vision of Georgie. His vision of Georgie, which isn't really Georgie, is really Pennywise, or mm-hmm. at least a manifestation of Penny, Pennywise down mm-hmm. in the sewers. And eventually they're able to break the kind of spell for Bev, and they're able to get out and escape. Yeah, they have a fairly clear sense that while they have done a great deal of damage to mm-hmm. this this entity, yes. that they have they've not killed it. Yes. I mean, they do attack it literally with like spears and miscellaneous baseball bats, yeah. etc. Right, right. But but they see this kind of wounded Pennywise crawl back down into this under layer, yeah. a, a well within a well. Mm-hmm. And so ultimately they're left knowing that, okay, in 27 years this thing is probably going to come back. Mm-hmm. It's going to need to feast again. It's going to be 
especially hungry because we've kind of denied it Mm -hmm. its climax. Yes. So they make a basically a blood pact, cut their hands, make a promise to come back in 27 years to kill it if it if it comes back. Right. And that's where we essentially leave the second the the first movie and, and transition into the second movie. A couple of things though, there is this kind of love-ish relationship, infatuation between Ben, the new kid, and mm-hmm. Bev. Mm-hmm. Even though Bev doesn't realize at first that it's actually Ben, and she thinks it might be Bill, and right. so there's this whole like look, kind of mini love. Triangle. She's more drawn to Bill, but it really is Ben. Yeah, and he was left her a, a poem, a signed secret admirer. Yeah. The other thing that we get is the the kind of pack leader of the bad kid the bullies kind of gets possessed or turned insane by Pennywise and he goes on a killing rampage and kills his dad and so then starts to go after everybody else that kind of returns in the second film yeah because one of the elements with it inhabiting dairy since time immemorial probably a couple million years long before mm-hmm. humans were even present in North America mm-hmm. This entity has kind of tainted the area, and so bad things happen there. It's it's kind of a weirdness magnet, but it's also a badness magnet. Mm-hmm. And so people's innate evil is kind of mm-hmm. magnified and amplified and given outlet. And so this is a place where there's a roaming pack of bullies mm-hmm. in the town, older boy, older high school boys, who ordinarily they would beat you up, but like in this case... One of the, the the leader, Henry Bowers, like he's literally going to carve his name with a knife in Ben's stomach. Yeah. That's above and beyond what a bully would do. Like yes. he is very clearly under, you know, in Pennywise's spell. Well, and, and what we see at the beginning of the second film mimics that. Yeah. So second yeah. film. Yeah. So it chapter two, same director. This one is rated 6.5 out of 10 on, on Rotten Tomatoes. Critics give it 62%. And audience is 78%. Mm-hmm. So not too much of a drop off from audiences, but pretty significant for critics. Sure. This one, they essentially doubled the budget. They, oh, had, wow. they had a $79 million budget. Mm-hmm. And I think you see that because there's actually a lot more CGI in yes. this one. Yes. It still made a very respectable $473 million at the box mm-hmm. office. Yeah. So this one kind of picks up at a carnival. Carnival's creepy as heck, but whatever. And there are two guys, a couple gay guys. Mm-hmm. It's a gay couple. Yeah. Uh, and one of them's from Derry. One of them is, you know, just the partner of the other guy. And they are at this carnival and they get attacked by uh, the bullies of the town. Right. And in this case, it's not just carving uh, something in his stomach. They beat the heck out of these guys and the one guy they who is a little more mouthy, who's not from Derry, they beat him to a pulp and then drop him over the edge of the bridge. Yeah. Which I'm not even convinced that he was necessarily conscious when he went over the edge of the bridge. But what we see is he does actually, you know, he is swimming. He is trying to get away. And then Pennywise is at the edge of the bridge and like. Rawr. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His, <laughs> his partner sees Pennywise like drag him up out of the water and and then devour him yeah yeah and we see pennywise doing a number of similar kinds of things Mm -hmm. there's a very cute little girl unfortunately lured under the bleachers at a a baseball game and pennywise gets her so in essence mike is the only one who has stayed in Derry for the last 27 years he's now the town librarian yes and he's kind of sacrificed his 
future and his prospects in a lot of ways because he he's kind of the the sentinel who remains behind. Yeah, the harbinger as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So he he summons them. Yeah. He he tracks them all down and calls them up and says, "Hey, 27 years later, it's started again. You need to get back here as soon as possible." But what is interesting is that the further they get away from Derry, the less they remember about what happened in Derry. Yeah. It's as though their memories, not just of their childhood, but of everything, has completely faded as they have left the area. Right. And so Mike keeps having to like remind them of like what happened yeah. because it is still very present in Mike's memory. Right. So they do all arrive back except except for one. Mm-hmm. And who Stanley? Is that Stan, yeah, we find that Stan. He was always kind of maybe the most cowardly of all of them, and melancholic. Yes, yes. He, as an adult, he gets Mike's call, and then as it turns out, he can't take it. Mm-hmm. He knows that he's not going to be able to handle going mm-hmm. back and, and dealing with it again. And he also has a sense that that's going to endanger mm-hmm. this this group as a whole. And so, you know, I think it's very sad. He he, he sacrifices. Yeah, himself. he he cuts his own wrist. Yeah, um, in the he bathtub. leaves notes for everybody explaining that one of the things that we get at the end of the first film is that they all have to do this together because right. they are stronger together and they have less fear together when they're working together. And so he basically explains in the note that like he couldn't have done it and they needed to be together. So he's there kind of with them in spirit. Right. Right. But the rest of them come back together. Mike is now a stand-up comedian. No surprise there. Played by Bill Hader. Or that, that's Richie. Oh, sorry. Richie. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Bill is a successful author. Mm-hmm. Ben, a Stephen King-style author. Yeah. Ben is a successful architect. Beverly runs a business with her husband, but her husband is pretty disturbing. Controlling, I mean, abusive, and... Yeah, he's kind of a... a Carbon copy of her father. Yes. Eddie has essentially married his mother. Which is actually amusing because they use the same actress. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So he's got this this wife who, larger than him, tries desperately to control him and and tries to continue convincing him that he is in grave danger with everything he does. Yes. But he's also like an actuary. Like he, yeah. he assesses risk and danger in his in his job. And I think Bev actually she and her husband own like a clothing line or, yeah, or yeah. something She's, like that. I, yeah, I think that's right. I think they're designers of some sort. Um so they come back but you know almost immediately they start to see visions collective visions of things of Pennywise kind of coming to attack them. Right. I think the scene in, in the Chinese restaurant, the CGI on those little critters that come out of the fortune cookies it's is just very, so very great. Good. Yeah. So Pennywise enjoys screwing with, with people, yes. you know, even before he's in a position to literally kill them. I mean, he wants them to be terrified. Yes. And so, yeah, he has the, this bowl of fortune cookies hatch and these small monstrous creatures crawl out mm-hmm. and, and kind of fly around that, that's a really good scene. But like they're the only ones who can see this. Like the the wait staff come in and they're like and like they're beating the table with a chair and they're like, "Would you like the check?" Like- right, right. Yeah. So Mike has also communed with the local Native American tribe mm-hmm. and has gone on this kind of vision quest and yes. he's learned this kind of ritual of chewed which is a means of defeating this entity. But Mike is also not giving everybody the full story. Yeah, he's left out the part where everybody dies at the end. 
<laughs> yeah. So in essence, the, the Native Americans have been aware that this entity has been there longer than, than they have. Mm -hmm. And they have some lore about how a group of them once attempted to defeat it mm -hmm. and, and essentially did what they did as children, uh, you know, essentially kind of turn it back, mm -hmm. damage it, stifle its, its ambitions, but only temporarily. And, mm -hmm. and of course, Mike isn't telling them that they weren't actually able to, to permanently kill this thing. And in fact, it managed to kill all of them. Yes. Good times. Yeah. In doing that, they all each have to get basically like some sort of a talisman that like yeah. represents them and their life. Something the important time, to them. Something yeah. important to them. So Beverly actually ends up having to go back to her childhood like apartment. And there's an old woman living there now who is actually an Pennywise, agent of Pennywise. That was pretty terrifying because <laughs> this this old, I mean, by this point, you know that the old lady is up to no good. Yes. And she comes out of the kitchen and she is this vast, incredibly tall horrific creature that just starts sprinting out and naked her. like completely naked like yeah. withered ugh. yeah Oof. so creepy yeah bev is able to beat her off and gets the postcard that ben had um written her um, when he was a kid ben goes to the high school to do something else ultimately his talisman has been in his pocket in his in his wallet, in his wallet. all along yeah. and was the yearbook page that bev had signed because she was the only person who had signed his yearbook right Eddie gets his inhaler. Yeah. What did the others get? Let's see. Bill goes back and is able to to get the boat. Yes. That he made for his brother, Georgie. Yes. That, you know, Georgie, in this very iconic scene, you know, in the little yellow raincoat, mm -hmm. the boat goes down into the storm drain. Pennywise gets it, lures him down there, mm -hmm. and then, of course, kills him. So Bill gets that back. The, Richie. He gets the token from the Street Fighter game. Yeah. He goes into the old uh, the old arcade and gets yeah. the thing. And in the meantime, he has a flashback, which I think is an interesting flashback. And it ties in with the beginning of the film, which is he's trying to, like, I think, make a friend. And it's the cousin of the, like, evil bully kid who's, like, in town for the summer. And he's trying to make this friend playing Street Fighter. Because the Losers Club had a falling out. Yeah. And, and so Richie is kind of off on his own at the arcade trying to make a new friend. Yeah. And that gets misinterpreted. It gets misinterpreted as him being gay and like hitting on him. But what we eventually find out at the end of the film is that like there was this kind of maybe unrequited, unclear kind of love between Richie and Richie and Eddie. And Eddie. Yeah. And, and Penny, Pennywise knows that yes. Richie is secretly gay and taunts yep. him yep. with this this knowledge yeah and so every time in, for in each instance where they go back to get their like little talisman or horcrux as it were yeah they are having memories because they've essentially lost all of their memories in the course of leaving a, a dairy mm -hmm. and so when they come back like these are kind of reigniting the memories of this time and when they were separated and the fear that they had yeah so eventually they come back together, they start to do the ritual, they put all of their talismans in the... They have to sacrifice them. In the leather box canister thing. Yeah, it's an artifact. And it seems as though they're like about to like defeat Pennywise when like this red balloon like starts to come out of it and you're like, oh no, this is all a trap. Sure. <laughs> this was sure. all a trap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so they do ultimately have to go down into Pennywise or its lair. Lair. They encounter Pennywise as this kind of monstrous 
spider hybrid creature. Almost like a scorpion. Yeah, yeah. That that that's very true. You can't see me, but I'm doing scorpion arms right now. <laughs> yes, yes. So the deadlights are back. The deadlights are essentially this thing's true form. Yes. Borrowing from Lovecraft's The mm-hmm. Color Out of Space, this thing came to Earth, plummeted to Earth in a meteorite, yeah. you know, many millennia ago, and has kind of inhabited this area, feeding. Mm-hmm. Off, you know, it's this monstrous alien entity feeding off. Terror. Yeah. yeah. Well, and and what we see is like the the figure of Pennywise, like it opens up its like great maw, and you see like the the teeth and everything, which like you've seen over and over again. But it's he is larger than life at this point. Yeah. He's taking up the entirety of this cavern, and you go see through him and through all of these teeth to the the lights. dead lights. Yeah. 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 And so they are realizing that they have to get him to be smaller. And so they're trying to lure him to a space where he has to physically make himself smaller. But then what they realize is smaller isn't necessarily just corporeal. You can right. make someone feel small through words. Yeah. And so they start taunting him. Yeah. And they're like you're just a clown. You're just a meh. Right. That could have been really cheesy, but I thought it came off pretty well. Uh, agreed. A- actually. Agreed. Yeah. One thing that we didn't mention is at the at one point, we also see a flashback to the bully kid getting arrested, getting put in an insane asylum. And then when all this starts back up, he is now like an adult in this facility and he breaks out, like murdering a bunch of people. One of his dead friends like gives him his knife back. Right. Yeah, that yeah, that, that switchblade <laughs> knife that he used to kill his dad is his talisman. Yeah. yeah, so he escapes a la Michael Myers. And he attacks Eddie at one point, shoving the, the knife in his cheek, in which his was cheek. like, yeah. whoa. But Eddie somehow gets the courage to like pull it out of his cheek and like stab him in the chest. Like, yeah, yeah. Good on you, Eddie. We yeah. do have to say Eddie ends up dead. Right. Which is very tragic for, for Richie. And in the end, they've defeated. Pennywise. Yeah, I think that's right. That's the implication mm-hmm. that we're kind of left with here. I thought that the casting was generally pretty good. Yeah. The only casting I didn't really care for was James McAvoy. Yeah. Who I don't think looks anything like the little boy who played Bill. No, but I think the other character actors actually look pretty are pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, McAvoy is a fine actor and yeah. I like him in other roles. Agreed. It's just they wanted his star power yeah. and he just doesn't look enough like the kid. But but the rest of them yeah. actually really do look like adult versions yes and ben they they picked a really hot buff guy to show that the fat kid actually grew up to be probably the best looking of all of them (laughs) but the rest of them actually look like yeah brandy chastain was fine i think she a slightly different face than than the other girl and in this film we actually also get to see bill scars guard as a human <laughs> yeah. Before the tra- you know, before he transforms into Pennywise, him as a circus, a circus performer clown, yeah. who was in a circus, who was in Derry at a time, and who one ultimately assumes that like he gets possessed by this thing, you know, because he's yeah. cruel to his family as well. And right. so yeah. Yeah, there was something about him that drew the entity to him because yeah. it latched onto him as Pennywise the dancing clown. Yes. So, yeah, he must have been a pretty bad dude. Yeah. Um, we don't really get to see that. We we do see a um, what I thought was a, actually a pretty fun Stephen King cameo. Yes, it was amazing. Um, it was actually really I, funny. I read that in the original screenplay, they cut the scene, but they were even going to have Joe Hill 
playing a flashback of a young Stephen <laughs> King, the thrift shop owner. Okay, that's hilarious. So that would have been amusing, but this movie was already way too long, so I totally understand why they cut you that You know what scene. they could have done, though? They could have had Joe Hill in the original film. <laughs> Like in the they, first, they film? could have, they could have. I yeah, they didn't think about that. Yeah, I think I that suppose. would have been hilarious. Yeah, no, that that would have been good because Bill Bill goes in, he sees his bike silver, mm-hmm. which is very important to him. He sees it in this window of this yeah. thrift shop where it's it's sat for the last twenty seven years. Yeah, there are. So if you've read the the book, you will know that there is one at least one big missing element, mm-hmm. and that is the turtle, which. Despite several hints and appearances of turtle-themed icons yeah, yeah in, in both films, we don't see that entity appear here, which is a little bit of a disappointment. But like I said, they already had way too much going on in this, the second film. Yeah. yeah. So I would highly recommend both these films. If you I, haven't I would seen too, them, yeah. I would definitely recommend them. We watched the first film streaming on Netflix? Yes, though... It's that's leaving in December of 2022. Yes. So by the time you hear this podcast, (laughs) it's probably not going to be streaming on Netflix. Exactly. But you could, if you still get discs from Netflix, you can get them there and you can probably rent it on Amazon Prime or something else. Yeah. I think it's actually very widely available. You just are going to have to pay a couple bucks. Yeah. Exactly. So check it out. If you have any other Stephen King films that you would recommend um, or think would be something good to pair with something, let us know. Let us know. Thanks. Thanks for listening and supporting independent podcasting. If you like what you heard, please consider rating and reviewing us. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts, or on our website, FridayNightFrightFest.com. If you want to drop us a line on Facebook, you can find us at Friday Night Fright Fest Podcast, or you can reach us on Twitter, where we tweet as The Geek Profs. If you have suggestions for movies, let us know.